Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo and hello everybody. Welcome to another great episode of the Golden Age of Car- 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 <laughs> What's my show again? The Golden Age of Cardboard Podcast is what this is called. You'd think I'd know it by now after a couple of years, but yeah, it's funny. My dad mentions in the intro a retrospective journey, and I really feel like over the last number of weeks that we've been going through the Bowman sets from 48 to 55 that we've been doing just that. And I really am grateful for all of you guys coming along on this journey with me and the different guests that I've been able to have on. It's been able, allowed me to incorporate a lot of my different friends that have amazing knowledge bases about vintage and getting their two cents about different sets. Tonight's no different. Um, my guest tonight is a, a, uh, a fan of the show, which is awesome. And he is an amazing vintage collector. He's been on the show before. This is actually, I think, his at least second, maybe third time on the show. And that's Dylan, Double D Vintage Baseball Cards, all the way from Hawaii. Thanks for joining, Dylan. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because I was talking to my wife earlier. I feel like it's like um, Saturday Night Live for me. And this is show number two. And uh, yeah, I get my jacket, get my pin. Yeah. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, two more and you get a Slurpee. Uh, <laughs> I like Slurpees. Yeah, you show up for four and the fifth one is a Slurpee. Now, uh, dumped on your head. I'll dump the Slurpee on your head. <laughs> like, well, I'll slime you with a Slurpee. No, thanks for being here. Um, you and I, as we were talking about this, we've been talking about it for weeks and weeks because I've been trying to get everybody lined up. Like, who wants to do what year? And it's funny I loved your, your answer was dude, whatever year you want, right? Like, it's like, Hey, we can talk about all of them and we're going to do 1952 Bowman tonight. And before I let you start talking about it, I'm going to do my kind of normal thing where I kind of read the cardboard connection description of the set, because again, they do a great job providing a synopsis of the set. And for those of you out there that just hopefully you'll learn something. It's just a cool, uh, you know, descriptor of what happened in 1952 Bowman. So here we go. Although 1951 Bowman is generally viewed as one of the top sets of the post-war era, and I agree with that, 1952 Bowman baseball does not enjoy the same reputation. However, given that the design was largely carried over, the cards still look great. Again, featuring art reproductions of black and white photos, the main difference is that the text box has been replaced with a facsimile signature. Card sizing carries over from 1951 at 2 and 1 inches by 3 and an eighth inches. 1952 Bowman baseball backs are also similar to the 1951 release, but more space is devoted to the ad, and there is a premium offer. 
Basic info and stats are included for each player above the ad that offers a baseball cap of your favorite team in exchange for five wrappers and 50 cents. Sounds like a heck of a deal. It's not that 1952 Bowman is a poor release. In fact, it is far from that, and many of the cards are quite impressive thanks to the vivid colors. Still, several factors contribute to the slightly diminished interest in this set. The most obvious uh, detriment is the powerhouse 1952 Topps product of the same season. After a few years on top of the collecting world, Bowman quickly found themselves chasing Topps, and it began in 1952. Another issue for the 1952 Bowman baseball set is the decreased size, going from 324 cards in 1951 to 252 cards in 1952. The diminished lineup is even more apparent compared to the 407 set, card set from 1952 tops. It was just uh, not just lesser players that were removed from the checklist, but Bowman 52 also left out a few big names most notably Jackie Robinson and Ted Williams. Finally, when it cannot be blamed, while it cannot be blamed on Bowman, the lack of Hall of Fame rookie cards is also an issue. Still, the 1952 Bowman checklist packs some power. Loaded with Hall of Famers, the set does offer a few popular names that 1952 tops missed. That includes Stan Musial, Casey Stengel, and Ralph Kiner. Also, while 1952 Tops is filled with errors and variation, that wasn't really the issue or an issue with Bowman. The only known variation is for Bill Worley, card number 248. It can be found without a W in his signature. That's interesting. I did not know that. Um, similar to many other vintage releases, 1952 Bowman baseball suffers from centering issues, miscut cards, also because the cards were distributed in six-card and one card gum packs staining can be a problem. So that's the summary pretty much from Cardboard Connection. So give them credit for letting me, well, they didn't let me. I'm just, it's public information that's out there on the internet. So Dylan, what about 1952 Bowman uh, do you love? You know, I, I want to say everything, but 1952 for me in particular has a, a great deal of meaning. Um, it, it may sound weird, um, but I don't, I don't know a lot of birthdays. Um, I don't memorize a lot of birthdays, but my dad's birthday, since I was a kid, I've always known not the day, not the day, but the year. And he was born in 1952. And as a kid growing up, my, my grandma, Pat, um, she was a full blown collector slash hoarder. Her house was filled to the brim you walk in the front door with like barbie dolls literally six feet tall every room was filled with stuff it was like going back into the past the floor was like a material that was just like it was out of this world plywood cabinets and i say that because my dad was born in 1952 so as a kid i always dreamed and i always talked to my dad i go you've got to have some cards when you were born, you got to have some cards from that era. And, and 1952 was as a, as a collector was, that was like, that was the gold standard. 1952 tops was, was it for everything. And so I always dreamed about, you know, finding, going up into my dad's room at my grandma Pat's house was impossible. There were stacks like two feet tall of magazines, 
So I only went up in, he, he lived up the stairs, up in like this attic room, and you could never get up there. I went up there one time in my life. Somehow they got cleared and I was able to go up there. All I did was hunt for these 1952 Topps cards, any baseball card. But I just always remember 1952 because my dad was born in 1952. So to me, uh, 1952 is just a magical year for baseball cards. And as a kid growing up, obviously Mickey Mantle, 1952, not rookie card, but rookie card. When I was a kid, that was like a huge deal. And then growing up, learning about vintage cards as I, as I gained steam, you know, fast forward 15 years and, you know, when I'm 15 years old and realizing there's other sets out there besides tops and now fast forward even more realizing that these Bowman sets exist and you can get them for just a, a such a small amount of the price of a 52 tops version and they're beautiful and the colors are vibrant and they have the facsimile autograph on the cards that I just I, I'm obsessed with those because it's like as a kid I always thought those were like real autographs on cards so many sets and tops had those and in Bowman I love seeing the guy's name now 51 is super epic too because they have the little box you know they, they show the name and as a kid you knew exactly who it was if you never saw the player in your life you knew who the player was so the 52 Bowman it's pretty much the exact same thing except you get the autograph and yeah as a kid it's kind of hard to read them but as an adult I mean we know who these players are and at least kids can still see the autograph on these cards and the and the color on these things I mean, I'll be honest, I don't have that many of these cards. I have only five in my collection. That doesn't mean that I don't want to own all of them, but we can't collect everything. We can't own everything. But one of my first vintage cards, you know, ever was, you know, a Gil Hodges, you know, and, and I just, I, I'm a, I, I love this 52 Bowman set. I, 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 there's, there's nothing I would change. I know you're going to ask that later, but I, I think it's a magnificent set. And I'm literally, while we were talking about, I knew I was going to do this episode. I was on eBay hunting for stuff and realized, <laughs> yeah, I, I can get, I got a Yogi Berra coming. I'm like, I can get this Yogi Berra is like $200. And I'm like, this isn't, this is just, a, it, it's awesome. And, and 1952 to me is, is like the, the, I wouldn't say it's the, the peak of sports cards, you know, of, of vintage baseball cards, but it, it's definitely, maybe the greatest year ever in baseball cards, in my opinion. So that's kind of how I feel about it. No, that's an interesting opinion. I hadn't thought about where that peak would have been and kind of the tops Bowman rivalry, right? That that was now like legit in 52. And I think looking back now, we all know the end of the story. And you would think, I think Bowman in 52 went, uh, we need to change something. We, because 52 is not that dissimilar from 51. 51 is not that dissimilar from 50, right? So you have, you know, kind of three consecutive years of Bowman really being lazy. Their designs aren't that different. It's not a huge upgrade or difference in the sets. Tops comes in 52, rocks the world of the sports card world. I think to me, the peak, if I had to have an opinion of where the peak, I think it's 53. Because 53 Tops is such an epic set. Great design. 53 Bowman Color. Bowman's like, okay, we're going to hit back 
after 52 with this beautiful color set, which they completely blow their wad on because they end up having to do the Bowman black and white in the last half, you know, the last series. And so to me, 53 might be the peak if I was to have to think about that and put me on the spot and come up with an answer right now. Would love to hear comments from all of you guys. Where was the peak of that of that kind of golden age era when Tops and Bowman were both around? What where was the peak? I would say 53, 52 is an easy answer too. I don't think you'd be wrong there. Uh, there's probably not a right answer. There's just an opinion answer. And but man, that's a great idea. That's a cool idea to think about. Like man, they're going back and forth and body blow and you know. Who's going to come out with the better deal? Obviously, Tops ultimately won the battle, but it was a fun war to watch, right? And be now, especially for us, with you know sixty years behind us, now uh, we can look back and just enjoy the cards for what they are. Uh, and fifty-two Bowman, man, it's again, it's kind of an afterthought because it isn't that different, right? A lot of people don't, I think, appreciate the set as much as it probably deserves. There are some obviously amazing cards in the set. Uh, it mentioned in the, when I mentioned the, in the intro about no Ted Williams, which was interesting. Like Ted Williams didn't have a 52 card at all, uh, except maybe a Burke Ross or something like that, but he didn't have a tops or a Bowman card and he didn't have, and then Jackie only had, he left Bowman and only has his 52 tops and he's a tops guy from that point forward. So, Missing those two, but hey, uh, no, no Eddie Matthews either. Good point. Eddie Matthews huge. rookie and Hoyt Wilhelm rookie and mm -hmm. tops is huge is a huge card. Um, and there's no Bowman counterpart to that, so that's a good point. Yeah, they're uh, rookies are, you know, <laughs> none basically in the '52 Bowman set of any note. Certainly, any. Hard. Well, we got Minoso in there. It's a good point. I forgot about Mini Minoso. And he kind of, you know, he shot up the ranks recently. So good point. That's a great. Forgot about Minoso being in fifty-two. Uh, Bowman and top, he has a tops card too. I have the tops one. I don't have his Bowman yet, ironically. But there are a lot of Hall of Famers. There are, um, I don't know what I told you earlier. Twenty-seven Hall of Famers. I have seventeen of them so far, um, and I have a lot of the big card like. The biggest card I'm missing out of those 10 that I still need is the maze, which is one of those cards I'm really eyeballing, like maybe for the national this year, like looking for one. Uh, that would be a great card to have. What are the five that you have just out of curiosity? Um, I have the Gil Hodges. Okay. And then I have, I, I just love this card. It's one of my favorite cards. I know Phil Rizzuto, I think his 50 Bowman is probably maybe his best looking card. But something about this card, because it looks like a mini bat to me, I've right. always loved this card so much. Um, and then I have three other cards. They're not, they're special in a way to me. They're not special in a way of value. Um, but these cards right here, so this one is George Strickland. I got these cards when back in high school. Every, I've talked about this before. Everyone knew I, I collected baseball cards my whole life. And I had a friend, um, his name's Josh Olinger. And if you see on here, it says, Oh, that one doesn't, that one's not, this one is, it says J O collection. So he, he gave me a, a, 
a book. He didn't give it to me. He, he gave it to me back in high school to go over and look at, give him like a, how much are these cards worth back in high school? Somehow, I don't know what happened. We were on surfing together. Whatever happened, they all, they got lost. And and then all of a sudden about, I uh, say, five years ago or so, they showed up in, in a box of mine. And I go, dude, I found all your cards. And he ended up just gifting them to me. And these were in there. So, uh, and I, and I have three of them and they just mean a great deal to me. And they're just a personal like connection I have to, you know, my friend Josh and just having these old vintage cards back when he hands handed me this book, it was a red binder. It was fascinating because I hadn't owned any of those at that point. And, and so yeah, cool how it, cards do that. Yeah. Totally. And every card you look at it, it brings up a memory. Like I remember the Gil Hodges from a book I read about um, Gil Hodges and, and, and Phil Rizzuto is in every book I've ever read because I read all the Yankees books. It, everything kind of brings up memories. Every card that that I like to purchase, you know, there's there's obviously side ones that just look really cool. You're going to buy them. But most of the players that I buy always have a meaning to me and they always touch something in my life or, you know, you just see it and it brings something. I really like that. Like Bowman, it, it, I like that you brought up the fact that, yeah, most of the sets are the same, 50, 51, 52. Like they didn't, they changed just the size in 50. And then the, and then 50 is, is I don't have a big fan of the 50. Everyone loves it. Maybe because I don't know, they're perfectly squared, um, but there's no name. So I, I really like names or, or facsimiles on the card. Um, but yeah, they didn't have that big of an imagination. And I like that you brought up the fact that from the tops, 1952, I mean, they just crushed it with the huge logos and they're all different colors. And then Bowman had to really rethink and really like try something different. And I don't, I don't know that they tried something giant with the 53. I love the set. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't so crazy. Whereas like the 55 skip ahead was a total awesome, amazing, cool, like set in my opinion. And just a, a, a cool thing that they had tried and they yeah. really stepped out and, and made an effort to really like go after tops and just try something totally different. Like tops, you, you know, fit, you say 53s, maybe the pinnacle. I say 52. Um, 54 is different 55 they're all so different and and tops really made the made the game change for baseball cards because they started changing things whereas you look at the old you know not to change the whole subject and everything but you look at the old you know pre-war cards they're basically all the same and you know they change the borders or they change this or that but mostly the same shape and it wasn't until tops came around that really blew things out of the water and bowman like you say was playing catch up so um yeah. Total sidetrack there, but I, I wanted to add to yours. No, you're totally right. I had to make sure Norman can be seen by John. I love Keating. Norman back there. I saw him get um, the you make a good point. I think Tops was doing innovation, Cyberger was coming up with different designs and everything, and Bowman was reacting. I think I think you see that year after year. Uh Tops would do something and Bowman would react, right? And I, I think the 53 set is vastly different from 52. It's a bigger card, first of all. It's an actual photograph instead of an artist rendering of a picture. So, I, you know, and, and it's all about the picture. It's all about the player. 
which is not dissimilar from 52 Bowman. Uh, I'll show them usual, which is a great card. That's um, an iconic one. This was last year at the national, uh, just one of those working with a dealer, bought a bunch of stuff. And this was kind of the centerpiece of the deal. Um, yeah, just gorgeous. Uh, that's a great mutual card. And what I do like about 52 Bowman is they did finally change a lot of the pictures. The the rinse and repeat of 50 and 51 from a picture standpoint is there's no similar pictures really in 52 Bowman. They're all kind of different and unique. Um, the Barra that you have incoming is an absolutely great card. These are really tough from a centering standpoint. I'd rather have a lower grade numerical grade but a better centered copy than a high grade off center copy but um i agree it's you know that's a great card which you're always I mean, going to have the, pin, the, the pinstripes on the yankees are astonishing in these in this yeah show. no doubt but the the reality of it is any of these cards you get are going to have centering issues like none of them or excuse me very very rarely will you find them perfectly centered but the idea simply is have a border around all four sides. There's the Robin Roberts. Um, it's not focusing very well, but Robin Roberts, great. I mean, there. I, I do like also that the pictures feel close, like more close to the player, like more of a close-up type look. Um, you can really see the expressions on the players' faces. There's Pee Wee Reese's card, very similar to the Rizzuto card. Um I mentioned in the open, Kiner has a Bowman, but not a Tops in 52. So that's a unique player or his only card in 52. Uh, the Nelly Fox card is pretty great. Also, I mean, again, you're getting these little bit closer images of each player. Early win. I'm just going to go, or Bob, sorry, Bob Lemon. I'm just going through my stack here. And all mine, you know, Dylan, are like threes. Three, four, three, four, right? Three and a half. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of the, the lane I like to swim in on these. But don't get me – I'm not talking bad about my cards. I'm telling you that's, that's a to me, the perfect point of condition and cost, right? Everybody has to find whatever their equilibrium is for their own collection. And uh, I just – the Sheen Deans is great for a three. Here's my best one. Here's my best. Uh, well, one of them. Obviously not the best one. We'll get to that later. But Roy Campanella, I have this in a six. Um, it's a pretty great grade for this set. Like I'm like that's kind of top of the top of the food chain. That's just such a gorgeous card. Uh, here's my Rizzuto. Uh, I have that in a PSA six as well. So these aren't crazy expensive, are they? Have you noticed that that they're not nuts? Yeah, and I and I love that you touched on the grade factor because I don't know what it is about the Bowman and the and the smaller cards. You can really get away with threes and twos and fours. They look exactly like like I have a seven. They look exactly the same. I mean, some of the images you just got to be careful on the image. Of course, it's that that goes without saying. The image is always the most important thing, right? But centering on these things, like like you say, you have a border on all sides, and and something about threes and fours look stunning in these little Bowman cards. They're, they they look really they're do. much much more forgiving than the bigger tops cards. 
That's a great point. And I think you can just save yourself a lot of money and stretch your hobby dollars, as I try to tell people to do all the time by, I don't want to use the word accepting, but just really take a look and, and look at a three compared to a six and go, hey, how different are these really, right? And I do, you brought up a point about the picture and, and the word we use, I had some people ask me this ironically, and I want to bring it up in an actual episode and define what registration is. And to me, and tell me if you think differently, but registration, when we talk about the registration of a card, it's the clarity of basically the entire front image. And that, that can include the player's picture and any writing on the, on the card as well. So that, that overall clarity is what we, when I'm talking about registration, when you hear a card collector, talk about registration that's what they're talking about so um yeah yeah. just how clear is it how crisp right is that picture and you i i do think registration is one of the most important things i mean if you can if the picture's all blurry who cares about the rest of the card right like wait a second yeah it's hard to argue that that's not the most important thing i mean as someone you're looking at a picture of a baseball card i mean you know, print lines are included in, in the registration, all the above, but yeah, it's very hard to say that is not the number one, most important thing on any baseball card you ever buy. But there is always like, when I say I love centered cards, I did, that just goes without saying that I want the image to be the best. I mean, I just, to me as a collector like you, it's just a no brainer, um, not to make anyone feel weird, but it's kind of a no-brainer that that's included in my centering. Like, the that image is the most thing. You should it's just assume. assume that you yes. want that. Yeah. Um, like, my Duke Snyder is a five numerical grade, but it's definitely, you know, you can you can barely see border on a couple of the of – the, I mean, it does have a border on all four sides, but definitely some centering issues. But – that's such a great Dodgers card right there. I mean, yeah, I, I love I love that card. Uh, early win. That's a four. Again, these are great. Uh, my DeRocher actually sent in myself recently in a PSA order. It came back at two, and I was like, "Fine, looks great to me." It looks just like the fours, and like, yeah. Uh, I do have a six in the usual. The the spawn. I'm reading spawn. Sorry. That uh, is awesome. I love the arrow. That was I have that on my list of one of the best cards in the set. Yeah, this is if this isn't on your list, Dylan, you should put it on there. It is such a cool card, especially when you get it. Because the way his signature is on it, like it's perfectly placed. Like they did a really good job. You can see it, you know, down in that gray area. Um, yeah, this is Spawn's Spawn's a guy who he's like a he's like a Roberto Clemente. He doesn't have a bad card. His cards all look so. I mean, you can buy any spawn, and you're like, this is like a masterpiece. His 65 is pretty butt ugly. Oh, you're right with the bald head. Yeah, but it's his last card. It's his last card, so you gotta That's have true. it. That's true. Uh, you gotta have it. I love you know the Casey Stingle, him you know hollering yeah. out to probably he's probably yelling at Mickey Mantle like run harder you know or something. It's uh, not like he needs to cup his ears. They're so big you can hear anything, right? Exactly. And then the last Hall of Famer that I have that I'm going to show now, I have one more, is the Enos Slaughter. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, again, 
chock full of great players, right? Uh, and there is, again, I'm missing 10 more, right? Uh, so to have that's crazy, um, which you know, that's just one of those sets that was kind of down on the priority list for me from a want standpoint. Now it's just they're all on my, you know, they're all equal priority. I love them all so much, and I've just grown an appreciation for all of the Bowman sets as I've been, and especially going through this series has been so much fun talking about them. What so. Let me ask you, Dylan, I take you back in a time machine to 1952. And if you knew what Tops was going to put out, I'm not, I don't know if Bowman knew or didn't know what Tops was planning in 52. Would you have done any, what would you have done different to 52 Bowman to compete? I would have put a, a logo. I would have put a, a circle logo on the card, just like Tops did. I, I love the 52. I love all the Tops 50s logos they put on there. Because yeah. the logos are so incredible back then. Yeah. You know, every logo you look at on a 52 Tops card, I could have a whole card as just a logo. And they, they do make those in, I forget what set it is, but I love them. And if they would have added that, it would have added a really big boom and a different color characteristic to their card. And it, and it would, you know, that that's, that's what I would have, that's the only thing I would change or add to it. I agree with you. I think they would also have had to make that work from a space standpoint on the card. They would have had to make the card bigger. Right. I mean, you, yeah. You, I mean, you could have put a smaller logo. Yeah. You just, you just shrink everything. Just, it's just shrunken down. It would still look really awesome. I mean, the white, so the, the, the red socks logo, the sock, like, I, I mean, it. it would look so cool on here and like every single logo yeah, I could think about. I know it's on their hats, but it's not the same, and it's different. It it, it just would really would add to a, it would add to it. Okay. Um, you know, Mike. Before yeah. uh, not to interrupt you. No, go I ahead. Think be, I think it'd be cool because um, we talked about like the pricing on these. Maybe to give some of some listeners like a cost on some of these cards because they are very inexpensive for a, someone who's trying to collect vintage cards. Like they're half the price minimum of a tops. Like a, I just bought them a Barra, um, a four. It's two hundred dollars. I, I didn't look at comps. It could I could have overpaid. I could have underpaid. I have no idea when I bought it. I just put a bid in and I said, "Looks like a nice one." Bing. Um, but if you get a Barra with a tops the same year, you're looking at a four. I, I, I'm I'm guessing as again four to six hundred probably for a really nice one. Um, you're looking at like, you know, you're like, you know, slaughter, pro, pro, you know, slaughter, like probably like a $35 card. Um, a Don, like Don Newcomb's not a Hall of Famer, but his card's fantastic in this set. It's like a $30 card in like a four. I think the price has a lot to do with like wanting to collect these Bowman cards. And as I think it's a good place to connect in like the mantle that you're going to show, um, it, it's an affordable mantle for someone who wants a big card and doesn't want to buy, spend a hundred thousand dollars. The last Barra PSA for tops, 1952 went for $521. So more than double what you paid for your Bowman version. Yeah. Right. And they, and they both look awesome and they're both from 1952. Yeah. Um, I mean, the inspiration of this series was mainly because I think people, 
not hardcore vintage collectors, but maybe beginner. I get a lot of questions from guys wanting to dive into vintage and they're like, how do I start? And this is meant to be a, hey, I'm going to share with you how cool these Bowman sets are. If you're diving into vintage, if you're starting in a vintage collection, try Bowman. Not the top cards aren't fantastic. That's not the point. It's, hey, don't dismiss these Bowman cards if you're brand new saying, well, they're, they're not top, so they don't matter. Uh, I call a total BS on that. Like, these are fantastic. And I think a new vintage collector would be wise to investigate those maybe first. Like, hey, try to do some cheap, cheaper. None of them are cheap, cheap, right? Other Like you said, the Newcombs, you know, 30 bucks or whatever. You can find them, can find good deals on them and just be cognizant of that, you know, don't dismiss that out of hand without investigating it. You agree? Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I just think it's, I mean, I almost feel weird. Like knowing that I don't have every single one of these, it opened my eyes again. And not that I have tons of Bowman cards, but I went down, I have a bunch of 55s and, and fifties and certain rabbit holes I go down. But once we explored this, it really opened my eyes. And the only card I bought in the last couple of weeks, besides I have another, random card i bought but was that the yogi and i realized i'm like man that is so inexpensive and if you bought that in a two you're looking at like i don't know 80 bucks 100 bucks it's it's not that expensive you go buy a a blaster box for 35 you can get a bowman 1952 (coughs) excuse me that's right you know for the same price yeah so I, i i like that you um i think this series is when I when I listen to your show as a super fan, I, that's kind of why I brought the the money situation up. The cost of these cards, if if you're new to vintage, I mean, I I would go straight into Bowman because there's there's just so so much awesome cards that you can collect. And and to be quite honest with you, these little Bowman cards look more vintage to me and than the tops cards. The tops cards look more like traditional um, baseball cards these are like t206 cards supersized on steroids Um, yeah on steroids and and so these are really much more vintage looking than a vintage feel yeah Uh, great points um so heed us guys listen to us you know (laughs) uh, we've been doing this a while uh between the two of us all right let's talk about the mantle because my, my 52 Bowman mantle story is one of, it's an interesting one. I have been slowly doing the mantle run uh, for a long, long time. Uh, and I, and I'd gotten down to some of the key cards, 52 Bowman, uh, 52 tops, which I still need. Uh, I had the 51. I needed the 53 tops, which was my most recent acquisition. Oh gosh. Where did I buy that? Um, I probably remember. Gosh darn it. I remember you, I remember you buying it too. I remember you showing it. Was it Dallas? Oh no, Shin. No. Darn it. I oh the national last year I bought the 53 yeah. tops. Who, what am I who am I kidding? Um yes, I did. I remember it's on the thumbnail of the video. But the 52 Bowman I had bought right, you know, a couple months prior to that, uh last year. And it was a card I found at the national. It was kind of like, okay, when I go to a show, I want to try to buy one bigger card 
um, maybe not necessarily a comma card, but a, a higher dollar card. And so, cause I can always buy the, the cheap stuff is kind of easy. You know, it's not something you really feel compelled to buy in person when you're spending 800, a thousand, twelve hundred dollars on a card. I want to see it. Like, I don't want to just buy that on eBay and hope it all works out. And it's having to go through the authenticity and all that kind of jazz. So I feel more compelled to do that. And it, like you said, it creates a memory. Although I was just having a hard time remembering where I bought some. I, <laughs> I promise you, I would remember uh, if, if not for the, the pressure I'm feeling right now. No, just kidding. Um, the 52 Bowman I bought at the Nash. I mean, at the Dallas show. A while back, uh, I have a three, and this is not a cheap card, really, in any grade. Um, but it's way underappreciated compared to the fifty-two tops. Obviously, I mean, it's literally a twentieth, a tenth, you know, for the same grade. Probably a twentieth is probably a good ratio. Twenty to one dollars you will spend on a Bowman fifty-two mantle. Uh, it's card number 101 in the set. It is a great image of mantle, just pretty stoic looking, you know, he's just kind of sitting there with a somber look on his face. Great old time signature, facsimile signature of his. And, uh, yeah, I hunted for this card for a while. Like it took me a while to find the right one, which was again, what's the right one? Well, for me, everybody's going to have a different, what their right one is, but cost and condition and finding that right equilibrium that made sense to me um and that was it i mean i still paid golly a lot 30 3200 for this card it's actually gone down in price since i bought it which is surprising and i don't care <laughs> like i don't even care that i could buy it for 500 cheaper today or whatever it would be i just don't care i want it at the moment, that's what they were. And I got a good deal even compared to what they were going for then. Uh, you can't double like uh, have hindsight on your cards and, and get too mad at yourself because that that's a rabbit hole that's not worth going down. You'll just beat yourself up for no reason, right? Look, when you, when you I mean, not to bring this up, but when you buy $3,000 worth of a stock, it goes down 500 bucks. You don't even think, you don't even look at it. It, it right. means nothing. If it goes down to a thousand, then you're like, oh man, that, that, that sucks. But a, a card doesn't do that. A vintage card doesn't normally have those giant boom, boom. So even with you say, I, I figured that was like a $3,500 card. That's, I don't collect grades. I, I since YouTube, I don't go after grades, but in that card particular I, is on my list. I have it on tons of my watch list. I, I look at them all the time. And a three is like a magic number number for that. For that card but your card might not have gone down because the eye appeal on that card the eye appeal is really kind of taking over the vintage world a little bit here and there especially on those bigger cards so you might actually have a four thousand dollar card there and you don't even know it until you go to sell it um but regardless who cares if you buy if you spend three thousand dollars on a card and it goes down to twenty five hundred dollars it doesn't even matter that that that's not even why you buy a card to begin with. Not that that's not a huge in my life about investing in cards. That's part of it. But, but you're not worried about those small little swings. That's a small little blip. Who cares? So 
side side note. <laughs> no, that's not a side note. That's a true note, and I totally agree. Uh, I don't care, uh, and I'm I'm just happy to own it. Yeah, I paid thirty two hundred for it. I'm just I'm looking it up um, last March, so literally a year ago, uh, a year and eight days ago, I bought it, and it according to PSA, it's a thirty one hundred dollar card. So it's not down as much as I. Um, yeah, and PSA's thing is so all over the place. No doubt. I'm not a guy who uses that. I, I, I don't use that at all. I, I don't use comps too much as it is, but I'll, I'll check it just to like get a feel. But I'm more of a high appeal based my value on that. But um, I, yeah, I, 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 dude, I love that card. It's like a baby. It's like a baby Mickey Mantle. I mean, that's like, <laughs> yeah. that's just like, it's the most baby. It's like, he looks younger in that than any of his cards in my opinion. And, and it's such a cool pose. It's like a high school pose, you know, and mm -hmm. something about that card. I don't know why I don't have it yet, but I'm as a collector. Um, I think YouTube's more got me into more of the bigger cards. Not that I haven't bought big cards in the past, but as you know, the last 25 years of collecting vintage cards, graded cards, I'm more the guy who bought a bunch of hundred dollars and $300 cards and $500 cards rather than a bunch of you know lesser bigger but now i'm i'm rotating out of that and actually selling those ones ones that i don't like and going after the big comma cards but i i like the three because there's just like any, any card you buy um miss you know dr beckett talks about this a lot if you're gonna buy a 30 dollars card or a 50 dollars card you have way less risk on the board Whereas just like the Mickey Mouse, you buy in a PSA three, there's less, less risk on the board than buying a PSA six. In my opinion, you might have less reward, but you have a less risk of it going down. That's my thoughts. What, what I mean, you have thoughts on that at all? Uh, I haven't thought about it from a risk reward standpoint. I mean, like you said earlier, I just buy the cards that I want to buy. Um, but I do definitely think about that equilibrium, as I said, and what you said about eye appeal is so, again, old school vintage collectors, we've been talking about it since the dinosaurs roamed the earth. But if you talk to old school, you talk to Dr. Beckett, that was a big deal even in the 70s and 80s was eye appeal. And that has such a generic uh, connotation to it. Like, what does that mean, you know? And the truth is, I think it can mean different things to different collectors. And that's okay for people to have a different version of what I appeal means. But the overall, the if I was to define I appeal, it is the overall look of the card. And then you'll rank things like we did earlier. Registration is assumed. Of course, I want a good picture. But that also includes not any snow on the face. I can't stand any creases through the face. I can stand creases like around a corner or even soft corners. Uh, centering is important, but not vital to me. So, but other collectors might go, you're completely wacko, Mike. You need to do this, 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 or this is what I think. And great that that's what you think. You don't have to buy my cards. I want to buy my cards. And so uh, I just think that I appeal definition, it needs to stay vague. I don't, I think we are, we would be wrong as a hobby to try to define what I appeal should mean to everyone. I think we would be very short-sighted and 
it's just wrong. Let let each collector decide what I appeal means to them, what that definition should be for them. And because your definition, Dylan, might be slightly or largely different than mine. And it doesn't make me wrong or you right or or vice versa, anything like that. Um, So it, it is funny, though. I think collectors do gravitate towards on an eye appeal basis. I think we would all like, if you see a, the card, man, that has great eye appeal for the grade. Like we can all, we can all do that. Like, yep. That has great eye. Appeal. I can look at a card and go, man, that's got, that's beautiful. And again, that, how do you define that? I think it's almost unique to each card too, not just to the individual making that assessment, but each card can have its own unique, like, wow, that's as great eye appeal because of X, Y, Z, right? It's, um, it's a good point that you made. I appeal for the grade too. Yeah. Because you can just buy a 10. Of course, it's the greatest eye appeal, right? But I like that you said, what has the best eye, eye appeal for a grade? And we can, I guess you could argue till the cows come home, but I think the market tells you what that is. And we can all, I think if all the collectors lined up three of the exact same cards and the exact same grade, we could pick up the best one. I think we'd all it'd almost be a unanimous decision. So that would be like, you know, although we might have different opinions on things, I think you would pick the same card I would pick in a lineup. I think we all would. Now, I didn't know about this I appeal game for 20 years until I got on YouTube, right? I appeal to me it was just I I didn't have the centering issue. Of course, the image was always the most important to me. And, but corners are huge. So we learn as we go and and i just because i've been doing this forever i i had no idea that like i I, man centering cards just do look way better and my mind didn't see it and now it does and whether that's right or wrong you know they look better so i I can't argue with it so i adjusted myself something you've talked about on your channel which i think is an amazing transition since you've I don't want to open your horizon, opened you, the YouTube world has kind of, wow, I'm seeing how different people think. I'm incorporating some things from different people out there that make sense to me, not because I'm trying to copy them, but that's just logical, you know, that the way they think makes sense to me. And I want to incorporate that in the way I collect. And you've gone from really higher grade cards to, beautiful, great eye appeal, lower grade cards and been able to take the difference in adding to your collection, right? I mean, you're basically, uh, I'll use the word flipping, but you're you're going, I'm going to take this high grade card that I can find, it's a seven and I can find a four that looks just as good to me based on my criteria. And I get to take that, you know, uh, delta of dollars and buy new cards that I don't have, right? That's what you've kind of been doing. And I think if a lot of collectors just didn't like the numerical grade is not unimportant. However, it should not be the most important. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. And now, and now that's for each person, of course, but it's funny because I did this right. And I, and my goal was to go from, I have roughly like almost 800 graded cards and my goal was to get down to 500. And now I, I have the same amount as I did when I, I sold like 300 cards this year, graded cards, and I still have the same amount. I have a lot more, lot better, bigger cards in lower grade, 
but it's like my goal is to lower my thing but i had so much more money to spend and i have received all the same cards that i had in sevens i've gotten those in fours fives sixes i, I didn't care some sevens again it, it, it i just the number didn't matter to me anymore but there are guys that do definitely have definitely eights spend all go as big as you can um buy the most and there's nothing wrong with that and that might be the way to go if on an investment standpoint but as a collector standpoint and a safety standpoint um man such a funny conversation we just took this rabbit hole down <laughs> yeah we were supposed to be talking about 52 moment and here we are having uh, all of these uh, uh just so general good. hobby advice I, I hope you guys don't mind uh dylan's a Dylan and I just have a lot of fun talking together. Typical, just, like, know. two card guys getting together and just yeah. going. It's like, start down this track and go, hard left, squirrel. You know, we, we just yes. get totally off track. But back to 52 Bowman, let's put a bow yes. on this one. All right. Um, no question it's a great set. No question it's got some great cards. Mantle, May, the Maze is, a, again, a huge card. I'm totally on the hunt for the, finding the right one for me. And... Uh, yeah, it's. I can't wait to see how your journey goes, Dylan. As you start adding some other fifty-two Bowmans, as you like, you got to get the Mutual. Oh, yeah. The Mutual is a great card. The Spawn. Um, I'm glad you got the Barra. Uh, there's just the Mantle, of course, but the Campy. Don't discount the Campy. It's it's pretty sweet. I'll I'll put that on your radar. Your, Any your of his, all of his cards are amazing. Yeah. You know that we. You know we didn't talk about were the cards that are not in tops 52 but they're in the bowman and the mutual is one of them and then you showed this the casey stengel card and the and kiner. You showed the ralph kiner right so yeah there are some cool. some unique things in in bowman i wish it had an eddie matthews rookie that would be fantastic like if i could change one thing about it get eddie matthews a 52 bowman that would have been pretty great because his tops card is so it's the most expensive tops rookie card that exists. Most yeah, thanks to your know. show, I learned that. Yeah, it's <laughs> not Mantle because that's not Mantle's rookie card, right? Uh, but the Eddie Matthews is a great card. Someday that's on my side. I have a lot of someday cards that I want to have someday, but for now, uh, thank you, Dylan. Uh, tell everybody where they can check you out on YouTube. Uh, Double D Vintage Baseball Cards. Very easy. Very easy. You, you will, go. I hope, or I'm sure you would enjoy Dylan's enthusiasm for the hobby, his knowledge. Uh, it's a great channel and Dylan's a great friend of mine and I appreciate him for being that. And Dylan, thanks for being on the show again. Hey, just a couple more and you get that Slurpee, man. Can't wait. Hey, thanks, Mike. Really appreciate you have me on it. It's a surreal experience for me and I'm a great fan of your channel and, and a great fan of you personally. Uh, I think you, when you talk about these cards, you really, you, you bring it to a, um, a personal level that really touches the people who listen to you. And I, I just, I really, really like your attitude and how you talk about things and, and the people you bring on. I love it. So thank you. You're going to make me cry on my own. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> thank you for the compliment and thank you all you guys. Hey, if you love the show too, Hey, when you're listening, Go out on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or something. Leave a review for the show. Give it a rating. Uh, I'd appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, thanks, guys. Have a great week. We only have two years left, man, 48 and 51. 
So we're, we're getting Woo. towards the end, tail end of this. Thanks, everybody, for following along. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Have a great one and keep collecting.